0: I literally talk about a day of um I grabbed the wrong notes. I this you wanna hear last week's sermon again? <laughs> Anybody? Talk about talk about a day of poor timing. We've had all sorts of things go wrong, haven't we? We've had um hang on, I, I'm literally gonna just pull my backpack up here because I. The, the funny part, hey, there we go, part four. This isn't even part of the stunt, right? You would think this is like a. I could, I would try to pull it off and make it sound like that was intentional, but I'd be lying to you. And next week we're talking on words, and then I'd have to confess to you all about that. I pulled it out, not even. That's how. That's that's what happens when your wife's gone for the weekend. Hello. All right. We're in the series, Basics, The Secret to Human Flourishing. You were created to thrive. You were created to flourish. You were created to thrive and not just survive. And here's what we know. In every discipline, whether it's the arts, maybe it's, uh, it has to do with business, technology, whether you're an engineer, or entrepreneur, There are fundamentals or basics that lay the very foundation to flourish and succeed. The same is true with life. In the Bible, that concept is unpacked as wisdom. And we've defined it the last three weeks this way. Wisdom is the skill of living life well in God's universe. It's a skill to be developed, and we're taking time to develop it as a community. And we have smarter people but we are not wiser as a people. Nothing, by the way, will determine or impact or play a more central role for you in flourishing, for you in thriving and not just surviving, than your ability to manage your time wisely. If you want to have a great marriage, if you want to thrive in your relationship with your kids or friendships, engage in meaningful work and make a difference with your life, we must learn how to manage our time wisely. Time, by the way, and you know this, this is nothing new, is your most valuable, non-renewable resource. You can always make more money. You cannot make more time. Although we say it, I just need to make time for this. Hello, you can't make time. You have one life to live, and none of us know how much time we have left. It's interesting when we talk about time, we use words like this, I'm just killing time. Time flies. Just wasting time. I really want some quality time. Or you know what, I'm, I'm in a time crunch. Today, it's about time. And we're talking about how do you engage or leverage your time wisely and well so that you thrive and flourish. And so I just want to read a few things and just have you kind of self-identify. Which of these best describes you? Which, which of these statements do you most identify with? The demands of life or work are so overwhelming That if I stop, I'll fall behind. That the demands, the pressures, the pace, and it's life or work. It might be at home. It might be you're engaged in your kids' activities. It might be your schoolwork. It might be at your paid job. are so overwhelming, and you just feel like a hamster on a wheel. Or, I want everything to be perfect, and so my work is never finished. And you're constant obsessive about the things in your life. Or I hate to miss out on anything or let someone down. So I'm often overcommitted. I hate to miss out. And I don't, I don't want to let you down. And so I say yes to things, more things than I can handle. I tend to put off what's most important for something more enjoyable now. Only to have more stress and pressure later. This is the procrastinator. I put off what's most important because there's something more enjoyable in front of me. But I often find that, I, that I'm responding. And sometimes we use things like this. Well, I just work better under pressure. My drive to succeed is driving me to the breaking point. Or driving those closest to me to the breaking point. Or, I am just so busy, I don't have time, I'm too tired for. You fill in the blank. Maybe it's the relationships that matter most. Maybe it's the conversation you know you've needed to have. Perhaps it's actually enjoying life. Maybe it's a... a, Going on dates and investing in your marriage, investing in your kids, investing in a significant friendship. Listen, I've heard plenty of parents say that I'm just so busy, I don't have time, and and I'm too tired for sex. Yeah, that's what they would say. They fall asleep, completely exhausted, and neglecting their relationship. So how do you make time for what matters most? Can you actually invest your time wisely in a fast-paced, high-pressured world? You, let's go back to the beginning, Were created to thrive, not just survive, and you can do it in the Silicon Valley. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about how do you manage your time wisely? And as I've wrestled with this, I thought, okay, we could teach a lot of time, you know, management skills. We could really, you know, go through Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people and all these sort of things. And at the end of the day, what I realized is you might go, well, that's really nice, but no one would do a thing. And so here's my goal. I just want you to get my aim. My goal is not to make you smarter about time. My aim is to help you live more wisely with the time you have. That is my goal this morning. And so as a result, last week I taught 13 Proverbs. Next week we'll teach about that same amount. This morning I'm teaching one. Because I want us to get one singular core idea and it embedded into our soul where it moves from a nice idea to a conviction where we actually change the way we live. So I got one proverb and three pictures. And that walking out, I pray that they just are seared into your mind so that tomorrow and the day after looks different as a result. And so... If you got your Bibles, open them up to Proverbs 24-7. In fact, I just got a new Bible. I'm really excited, although I don't know where anything is anymore. But I've had the same Bible since I was in college. It's the Bible that I preached my first message in, so it's really significant to me. Uh, But I was like, it's time. I've been duct-taping it together, and so I thought it was time to get a new one. But if you got your Bibles or your... um, phones or whatever. Open up to Proverbs 24, 27. This is my favorite Proverbs on time. We could have chose a lot of them. We could, could have talked about the sluggard. could have talked about the diligent, the plans of the diligent. But this, I believe, is one that we need in the Silicon Valley. Proverbs 24, 7 says this, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Doesn't that just solve all your problems right there? Makes complete sense, right? Got it. And you're going, Ingram, you're going to preach a whole sermon on that one proverb? Yeah, this is incredibly profound. And yet, we have to put ourselves uh, in, back in what an agrarian culture would be like. Now, think about it. If your entire life revolves around being able to plant crops reap them, and you have food based on what you plant. So what you need to do is you need to go out and prepare the soil in a certain season. Plant the crops. Pay attention to that. At some point, you reap what you sowed, and then there's a season where you don't have all that to do, and so you can invest and put time in actually building your house. See, What this is teaching us, a few different things, and why this is so important, is teaching us the principle of first things. The principle of doing what's first uh, and what's most important first. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. That's most important because there's there's a singular season when you can do that. There's plenty of other seasons when you can go and you can do stuff, you know, to make your house a little bit nicer. There's a season when you can plant, and if you miss that window, you miss out. Now, think about this as parents. You have a window, and you have a season to sow. Think about this as a student. There's a window and a season when you're sowing into your education. I know that you wish you could jump out and do something, but this is a season where you put first things first, and you don't just put off other stuff. You go, no, no, no. This is this season to sow here, and there's going to be another season where I can engage in these other activities. It's such an incredible proverb. It's prioritize first things first. Do um, what's most important over the urgent. Notice that the field... The work you're doing, you don't see any immediate fruit from. That's the problem with important things, right? It's the problem with important relationships. It's the problem in prioritizing your health. Is you don't see any immediate fruit because it is a sowing, it is a sowing, it is a sowing activity for a later reaping. And we gravitate towards the things that we can see immediate results from. And here's what it's saying. Prioritize first things first. Do the important over the immediate. Do the important over the urgent. And so to do that, you have to recognize the season you're in. What season am I in as a dad, as a mom, as a student? What season am I in? as an employer, as an employee? And what is my stage of life? And so out of this, I just want to give you three pictures that I hope will be helpful in applying this text. That I really, I just pray will stick with you and your time and the way you use your time, even in the Silicon Valley, will change. And you'll experience... By the way, because it's a process, because fruit takes time, you're going to make some time shifts, and you won't experience the immediate. It's an investment. All right, so the three pictures. You ready? You with me? Yeah? Okay. First picture is the rule of the rubber bands. Everybody got a rubber band? Hold it up. The rule of the rubber band. In fact, I gave this to you not so that you could shoot your neighbor, but I want you to keep it on your wrist just as a reminder from this week, okay? Just as a reminder. But here's the rule of the rubber band. And I got this big vat of pens here. Uh, now, let's just pretend, if you will, this, this bucket of pens represents all the things you can do. All the opportunities. I mean, there's tons of them. There's all sorts of things. Whoa, there it goes. Okay. Now, as a person, there's a limited amount of things that you can say yes to right and so you got to say yes to work and you got to say yes to significant relationships then there's events and fun stuff i'm not exactly sure how long this is going to take but you get the picture and here's what we know about the rule of rubber bands is it a rubber band i'll pull it off just so you can see A rubber band one, for some, this is kind of where you're at, it it needs tension to be effective. And for some, um, you're kind of in that spot where I tend to put off what's most important, and, and you actually need some tension in your life. But for most in this room, what we tend to do is we keep putting more and more in. And here's what happens to rubber bands is they stretch, Right? And for a season, it feels like it's actually a good thing, and then you get overstretched and overcommitted, right? And all of a sudden, you begin to feel stretched thin until I'm not strong enough. See, what we know, the rule of rubber bands says, I have limited time and energy. You say that out loud with me. I want you just to believe it. I have time and energy. You can only stretch yourself so far. You can only stretch yourself so far. You can only add so many things in there until you are stretched beyond your capacity. I have limited time and energy, and so I cannot accomplish everything. Okay. Let's, say, let's say this all together. I have limited time and energy, and so... Doesn't that feel nice? You can't. You can't fit it all in. Plan your outdoor work. Put it in order. And then do this means you can't do it all at the same time. Meaning you don't have the capacity to. In fact, if you want to just write in there, I cannot accomplish everything, and then write after it, in this season. What season are you in, and what must you accomplish now, and what do you have that is pushing you beyond the limits that you're trying to fit in? The rule of the rubber band. And so I will prioritize first things first. Now, I wish I had a second rubber band. That really hurt my thumb. I'm not going to do that in the first or second service. Now, here's one of the things, and I, I didn't have it with me, but... You ever get like one of those multi-packs of rubber bands and you notice that some are thinner, some are thicker, some are bigger, some are smaller? The rule of rubber bands also says this. Next slide. I won't compare my capacity to others. I won't compare my capacity to others' capacity. See, your rubber band stretches to a certain limit. Someone else's might stretch more. Your rubber band holds a certain tension where it is actually most healthy and vibrant, and someone else's might hold less. I will not compare my capacity to others. Let's talk about moms for a second. Isn't there just that one mom? I, Wonder Woman doesn't even compare to that mom. Mom? I mean, her house is immaculate. She does these incredible crafts, and they're posted on Pinterest, and Instagram, and, and you just look around, and all of a sudden she's got this gourmet dinner, and she works full-time, and you're like going, "What the heck?" You ain't her. Well, maybe one of you are, but the rest of us ain't. Freedom. Because guess what? That mom is looking at you and going, man, I love how spontaneous they are. I love how present they seem to be. I'm so obsessed about everything looking right that I wish I could just be present in the moment. I won't compare my capacity to someone else's. This happens in the work world. You begin to compare, wow, man, it looks like that person just can do X, Y, and Z. Now, certainly, we need to stretch and grow ourselves. That's not what I'm talking about. But what we do is we look and compare at what they're able to do and somehow take that on and feel shame. And a lot of times, we do less as a result and just feel guilty about it. It might be the student comparing how someone else has to work or doesn't have to study. Isn't that annoying? The person that just doesn't have to study, and they get A's, and you have to study and study and study, and you get B's, the rule of the rubber band says I have limited time and energy, I cannot accomplish everything, and I will not, I will not compare my capacity to others. What I will do is I will prioritize first things first, and that is my next picture, the power of the calendar. In fact, get your phones out. Pull up your calendar. The power of the calendar. This is my calendar right here. I have this. I'm weird. I have three calendars that I keep. I know. I'm weird. And I used to hate calendaring. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But if there's a season for everything, you have to know what season you're in, what season you're headed, and you have to plan accordingly, and you have to use your calendar for it. Like, here's another one of my calendars right here. I print out the entire year on this calendar and it holds everything, and yeah, I literally, I know some of you going like, this guy is so old school. He handwrites it in, and yes, it's color-coded, and greens for my family stuff. I'm anal. I get it. You you can talk to me about my problems after service. But listen, don't miss this. Either you will master your calendar, or your calendar will master you. Either you will master your calendar, or your calendar will master you. So the power of the calendar says this, I am in control of my calendar. Okay, you didn't believe it. So so, so let's say it. I, you so do not believe this. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's say it one more time and then I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove to you that you're in control of your calendar. You ready? Say it again. You said it, but I... I, I It was way more conviction. That was great. I'm going to prove that you're in control of your calendar. If today you walked out of this room and discovered that you had one month to live, would your calendar change? If today you walked out of this room and you had one week to live, would your calendar change? One day to live. Right? Okay. You, no matter what your boss says, No matter what the pressure is around you, you are in control of your calendar. Take back control. Take ownership. You're ridiculously in charge of your calendar. No one else is. And the minute you keep abdicating blame and saying everyone else is in in control, you're mastered by your calendar. Amen by myself. Okay. I am in control of my calendar, and so, and so, say this with me. I will schedule my values. Say it again. I will schedule my Guys, I am in control of my calendar, and so I will schedule my values. Okay. I, I've not been great at this in years past. To say that is to put a positive spin on something I've been terrible at. What I did this year is I start, and I schedule the entire year out. I start in June, working through so that, you know, I, I can, I'm actually really excited about our, our New Year series that we're going to preach. Like, we, we schedule out. Um, but what I did this year, as our church is growing, as the pace is getting faster, before I put any of the church activities on here, I went through my kids' school calendar and I wrote all of it in green. That way I know when we began to plan something, well, that's a terrible weekend to do that, Ryan. That's a three-day weekend. Do you know how many times that I've, you know, Jenny's gone, oh, our kids have a three-day weekend. We should do something. I'm going, I just planned a big event the power of the calendar. It's the power of the calendar. Either you will master your calendar or your, castor, uh, your calendar will master you. Plan, prioritize your values. For some, it's, it, you, you have a value. I have a value of working out. It's on the calendar. I don't do meetings during that time. You go, like, just put it in there. We have a value of quality time around the dinner, dinner table, okay, with our kids. Try to do that four or five times a week. I don't do evening meetings. I'll meet with you as early as you want. Seriously, I was up at four this morning. I can can get up early. If you can't get up early to meet with me, you don't want to meet with me. (laughs) Right? But I'm not going to plan a five o'clock meeting because I'm meeting with my family. Either you will own your calendar or your calendar will own you. You are ridiculously in charge of your calendar. Well, but say no. I get it. Okay. In your notes are further resources. Because this one's already I can already see this is a real tension for some of you. <laughs> I I at first I had like boundaries by Henry Cloud, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, all these things. I cut all those things in further resources. Okay, here's the one. I actually want you to look and utilize all of these. The first resource is Bob Goss Love Does. I'm gonna talk about that in a second. But if you just want a fun read that inspires you and like read that book, it's awesome. It'll challenge you in how you spend your time. But it's it's delightful. We had him speak at our church five years ago. Second one, this is for everyone who is married or a family, has a family. Read, Andy Stanley's, um, it used to be called I Choose to Cheat. Now it's called When Work and Family Collide. It's a thin book, easy. For some, it'll take you a day. For others, if you're really not a fast reader, it'll take you two days. Easy. Second, third resource is where I literally stole the title of this um, sermon message. is from Craig Rochelle's Leadership Podcast. Look it up. It's a podcast. By the way, we podcast Awakening Churches stuff. Some of you don't know that. Third and fourth episode are about it. It's literally it's about time resources. Okay, so I I took time to say that so that you would actually not just kind of throw the bulletin away or dismiss the further resources. I want you to actually take time this week and dive into those. And apply this. The power of the calendar. I'm in control of my calendar. I will schedule my calendars. And I realize, I recognize this, that every yes is a no in disguise. Every yes is a no in disguise. Every yes you say, you have less of you to give away. You have less of you for something or someone else. You can't say yes to it all because the power of the rubber band tells us that you are limited and you can stretch yourself to the point where you eventually snap. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. The rule of the rubber band, you limited time energy, can't accomplish everything, so I won't compare my capacity with others. The power of the calendar, I'm in control of my calendar. I will schedule my values. Every yes is a no in disguise, and then I'm going to leave you with the parable of the starving baker. And I got this originally from Dr. Tim Elmore. He's got this great little book called Habitudes. In fact, our, um, our high schoolers are going through this. That's what they're teaching through on, um, on their Thursday night missional community. And the, the, par- the parable of the starving baker, and you can go to the next slide. I have it up there. I just wanted to read this out of Tim Elmore's book. It's the baker who spends so much time baking bread for others, He forgets to eat and starves himself. Leaders must feed themselves for personal growth is the principle. Imagine, if you will, you visit a new bagel shop not far from your campus. You love going there because the chief baker has created a new recipe for breads, pastries, cinnamon rolls. I love cinnamon rolls. That are better than any you've tasted in your life. Soon, word gets out. About this bagel shop, crowds start forming lines each day waiting for the new confections to come from this baker's marvelous kitchen. The baker doesn't have enough help and ends up trying to serve all the customers himself. He is scurrying back and forth, busy with all the requests of the people, but uh, but oblivious to what's happening to him. His exhaustion is quickly becoming burnout. What's worse, as you watch him for weeks, you see a change. This man is getting thin, very thin. It almost seems like he is shriveling up. What's the deal? You decide to sit down and observe for a few hours. Suddenly, the problem becomes obvious. This man never stops to eat. The irony is, he is busy serving bread to everyone else, but never stops long enough to feed himself with food all around him. He is starving. And friends... That perfectly describes how we're living in the Silicon Valley. And so, the parable of the starving baker causes us to ask three questions. Like, to move from surviving to thriving, to really flourish, you have to ask the question, what do I need to stop? In Bob Goff's book, Love Does, he actually, um, it's awesome. He, he says he has, on Thursdays, he quits something every single Thursday. It's great. What do you need to quit? What do you strip away the unnecessary? What do you need to stop? Second question, what do I need to start? Like, what deserves my attention? And can I just give you a little loving challenge? We're in the book of Proverbs. Would you tithe your time to God? I mean, like, get into God's Word. Take 15 to 30 minutes of the beginning of your day and get into God's Word. Like, start that. You will be astonished that you will have more time, be more productive and effective. And it makes sense because if you spend time with the God who created everything, knows you perfectly, and once you're good, it's amazing. He'll actually speak to you, give you wisdom, and direct you and give you energy. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Maybe you need to start waiting upon the Lord. What do I need to stop? What do I need to start? Final question What's at stake if I don't? For some, that's a really important question you need to ask. You've been going and going, and what's at stake is your marriage. What's at stake is your health. What's at stake is your kids. What's at stake is the things that are most important, not the urgent things that are pulling you out. It's about time we embrace the rule of the rubber band. It's about time that we took back the power of the calendar, and it's about time we listened to the warning of the starving baker. This morning, I want to close not just on time, But early, and give you time. I, I this last week I had a meeting with a mentor scheduled. He lives down south, and uh, I was going to drive in a day, five hours there and five hours back, just to spend time with him. He had to cancel last minute. I got ten hours of time back. Changed my week. I'm going to give you ten minutes. You have 10 minutes. We're closing. There's no closing song. There's no like flashy, cool, heartwarming story. I want to give you time because I don't want to make us smarter. I want us to live wiser. Your kids, if you have kids, they still got Sunday school or kids' ministry. I don't know what we call it anymore. I close. I want to give you time. Maybe it's to ask those three questions. Maybe it's to have a conversation with someone around you about how you're doing, where you're going. And as I prepared this, I realized I wasn't preaching a sermon to you, per se. I was preaching to me this morning. I needed this more than anyone else. And if it was helpful to you, I'm really grateful. Have a great week. See you next week.